Welcome to the Process Podcast. From new agent to broker owner. My name is Travis McClure. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure, my co-host, Preston Guyton. Preston, how you doing today, sir? Good, man. Can't complain. First time in a while we've done an episode of just the two of us kind of breaking some stuff down. Um, a couple of things I want to unpack today, Preston, but let's first talk about easy home search and some of the stuff you have going on there. Um, what are you seeing, obviously, with the market shift? What are you seeing with uh, lead generation, traffic, all that good stuff? You know, with us, I spend so much time writing content and creating content and putting stuff out there to grow the traffic and, and grow the amount of visitors we have. You know, for us, I think part partly because I'm doing all that and doing all those things, we're growing, our organic traffic is growing so much each month. You know, we, we continue to see an increase. Obviously, it's that time of the year, though, anytime whenever you follow a lot of website traffic, mm -hmm. when you get towards September, October, People stop searching. They're searching for presents and gifts and everything else, the holidays. So you'll see a, a, every year, you'll see a decline that starts around this time of the year. And the lowest point search volume of the year is Christmas Day. Um, but right now we continue to see growth there, uh, but it will decrease. It's just, you know, the seasonal time of the year that you'll start seeing um, less people searching. Yeah, and if you're an agent listening to that, um, I've also known doing what we do press and typically agents number of agents engaged in their business also drops. So if you're an agent that prospects every single day or goes through databases like this every single day, yes, there may be less opportunities right, or less traffic. There's also less agents even buying those types of pay-per-click ads, things like that, but also even just in their database prospecting in, in total. Have you seen that also Preston? Yeah. I mean, you see agents, I mean, not yet, I think school starting, you see them slow down, but you definitely mm -hmm. see people as the holidays get, you know, closer, they spend less time in the office, you know, they'll take a lot of time off, you know, and two, like going into January, there's a lot of agents this year that haven't sold any property that haven't had the success they've had in the past. So come right. January, what happens? What's due? You know, their, their dues are, they have to pay their dues as, as being a realtor. So, yes. you know, I think you're going to have a lot of people, not only that stop because of the holidays, but just because they don't plan on renewing their license and they don't plan on paying in January. So I think, as you said, if you're committed and doing the work, I mean, I see a lot of my good friends that work hard and, you know, they had their best month ever this month. So, right. you know, it's um, in any market, no matter, you know, declining or stabilizing or normalizing, whatever you want to call it, you could be successful as an agent. You just have to put in the work. Yeah. What are you seeing in, in terms of, conversion rates amongst the traffic that is coming in through easy home search? You know, conversion rate, it really depends on what you look at. Like what I look at a lot of times for me is looking at our ISAs and what they're doing and how they're converting leads as far as converting leads or people they speak to, to appointments. So that's a big conversion I look at as far as like conversion, you know, percentage you see people share, oh, we do 5%, 10%. 1%, you know, it really depends. And not everybody looks at conversions the same way. Like, you know, conversion from lead to close. I mean, some people might pull out the names with bad email addresses, bad phone numbers. You know, some people look at the total number. So it's really hard to, it's hard to say like conversion rate. What I look at and what everybody should like it, look at is ROI. You know, what mm -hmm. are they spending? And then what is that investment or what is that lead generation 
what is it bringing in in volume? And sometimes that's that's difficult to quantify as well because you know with things like pay per click and online lead gen, a lot of times the the amount of time it takes them to purchase is eighteen months, twenty four months, or beyond. So you can't really look at month to month. You really need a longer scale of time. Like what I tell people I like to look at, I look over two years, mm-hmm. but I'll only look at the leads that came in the first six months of those two years right. and take the leads that came in that six months and then look at when they close. And a lot of times you'll have a lot of those that came in in six months, closing 12, 18, 24 months later. And then you could get a real, you know, real data on information on what the conversion rate really is. No, that makes sense. Especially with, I think online leads, especially they're kind of all over the place in terms of that sales funnel of like ready right now, all the way up to like, Hey, two years from well, now. It's market too. Right. So our yeah. market is, you know, people vacation here, the vacation here, staying in an oceanfront condo with their family. Oh, we have such an amazing time. Mm-hmm. We'll start searching for real estate while we're here. And then they go back home. They've signed up on five different websites searching and they get back home and they're like, we really can't afford to, or we really can't justify spending that amount of money because the amount of time we spend there doesn't make sense. It's better to just rent, you know, when we go there. So in our market, because we're so secondary, you know, so many secondary homes, investment properties, we definitely get a lot of people. So, you know, our conversion rate total numbers might be a lot different than say a bigger city where it's more people buying and selling or within that city. Yeah. And jumping back to traffic, one thing you shared with me earlier this week where you said like seasonally, and you see this every single year, not just uh, this year, traffic goes down, but year over year, easy home search traffic is up quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, so we've, you know, we've been spending so much time investing in in content and growing to other markets. You know, we're in the process. We just um, committed to a custom design about a month ago. So we're totally redesigning the site, but yeah, year over year, I actually just shared, I think in August, our traffic is up almost 600% compared wow. to August of last year. Um, you know, this should, this time next year, we should reach over a million visitors a month, you know, with what we're doing, like the new site, when we launch it, it'll be in 60, 80 markets at some point next year. Right now we're on 20 markets. That's outstanding. So also you have a lot on your plate right now with all that. Um, and you, you've taken on some coaching clients around, um, I call it the easy home search model, right? Your way of doing business. You've started coaching um, some broker owners and team leaders across the country on possibly building their business the same way. How's that going? It's going good. Yeah. So we're not only doing that, John Cheplock, I launched online domination, which is a six week course. We're going into week four next week, which we dive into SEO, dive into content creation and how we've been able to, you know, create all the content and build all the pages and everything we've done with Easy Home Search to grow it to where it is now. The first three weeks, we're all on pay-per-click and setting up campaigns and everything else. You know, basically where people could go and compete with Zillow in their markets, right? Because as an agent or broker, you could become, you could be much more hyper-local than these massive companies that are across the nation, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't create content like I can at a local level. Right. And you as an agent or broker, they can't create content like you do. And and in the day, that's what you need to focus on is creating content that won't, that visitors want to read or, you know, create videos that visitors want to see and then have them come and pack back to your site. But it's going good. I mean, the, uh, you know, the coaching clients are going great. We're going into pay-per-click SEO, you know, um, a lot of leadership 
things like that, and mm-hmm. like hiring leadership, how to structure your business and your company. Uh, but it's going really well. Yeah, what I love about a training like that, Preston, and we train our agents the same way. It's all action based. You know, you're not you're not just going to a training like that, and, and no training should be just to be a like a quote unquote Jeopardy champion. You're going in each week. Your your clients and our agents train the same way on on their business, but you're leaving that training taking action on what you've learned. And I think that's what's most important. Yeah, I mean, any you know, any time that we like, I have a coaching call with them. We always we always go over something, right? And I always email them before the next coaching call. Mm-hmm. I was like, go ahead and let me know what you want to go over on the our, our call coming up, so that way I could be prepared prepared, and we're not spending the first ten minutes or five minutes of the call, figuring out what you want to discuss, you know, yeah. that way we could go over something. And then, you know, between that coaching call and the next one, you could try to implement or start building on those things. And then you have another one of those classes coming up, right? So this one ends after six weeks and then you have another one launching. Is it late fall? Yeah. Uh, John and I are figuring out the time when we're going to do that, but it's going to be, we have the Lake Tahoe event and it's going to be after that event at some point. Good stuff. Well, the other thing I want to unpack with you, Preston, uh, monthly here in our company, Palms Realty, we do a, we do a sales meeting every single week. Um, but monthly in that sales meeting, we started doing little mastermind sessions, right? Uh, where we talk about uh, with our agents, group of agents, we talk about the challenges they're having in the current market. Of course, what's working well for them in the current market. And I always love afterwards to kind of unpack that a little bit uh, Preston, what are your thoughts around the mastermind sessions we've been doing? Yeah, I think it's really good. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's kind of like what I've, you know, with Chep, like being a member of that group now for five years, I mean, being in that environment and and that, you know, around all those people is really one of the best parts about it, right? So you have that community of agents or brokers or owners <laughs> that are all on the, you know, some at much higher level, some at entry level, whatever, however you want to look at it but it's great to be in those rooms to share ideas, to see what they're doing that's working. And it's the same thing now, you know, we're over 60 agents now. So to get everybody in a room from selling, you know, a million dollars a year to just started to agents that are, you know, selling 15, 20 million a year, get them all in the same room and sharing ideas. Um, you know, I, I love obviously the mastermind concept because we go to Chef Black events all the time and, and that's why they are. Yeah. And I, and I think from the agent perspective, even the leadership perspective where we come from, I know like anything I usually have in my mind, like, Hey, this is, you know, I usually make a list of like challenges I'm having. There's somebody else in the room. Number one is having the same challenge. Cause most of the time someone will raise their hand and, and yell it out. But there's also someone else in the room that had that challenge and they're able to work through it. And that's what you're really there for, right. To not only share that, but hear that and bring it back to your own business. And that's what we do with our agents. Um, so just want to unpack a few of those. Uh, one of the challenges that was brought up, the first one's kind of similar from month to month, but uh, especially calling buyers and getting the objection of, we want to wait, right? We want to see what happens with the market. We're waiting for the market to crash. We're waiting for this. We're waiting for that. Um, talk about your thoughts on that a little bit, Preston, and, and I'll share how we unpack that in the meeting. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, I think they're always waiting, right? There's all they're always waiting on something that's just the excuse of waiting changes. I mean, really, like you said, is just share. You know, what is that expense of waiting? You know, what 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 does that cost you to wait? Mm-hmm. You know, with with our market, the average, I think the, the average rental rate compared to this time last year over the last twelve months has gone up almost thirty percent. Yes, you know, and so like looking at rentals and things for my mom because we talked about selling her house. And, uh, 
you know, for a one bedroom near me within a couple of miles, it was like $1,800 a month for yeah. rent. So, I mean, that's what you got to look at. Look at the expense of waiting. You know, obviously if you're in a house now that you don't love, it's e maybe easier to wait. Um, but if you're looking at renting, you know, looking at that and the expense of renting for 12 months, because you're going to be tied to a, you know, to a rental most of the time for at least 12 months, Yeah. you know, how, what is that going to cost you? Yeah. And I think one of the agents brought up and I thought it was a great point. He said that, you know, talking to, um, out of state buyers, right. From Mark, you know, the national market does not reflect what's happening in your local market. So obviously you're the expert as a realtor, you're the expert in your local market. You know, if you're like, say, in Tennessee or the Carolinas or Florida, those states that are still experiencing lots of growth, there hasn't, there's been a market shift where it's back to maybe a normal market, but you're not in a bad market. But if you're talking to people that are coming from, you know, some, maybe some northern states where they're not experiencing growth, their market's a lot different. So, yeah, of course, they're waiting for the bottom to fall out because that's what it seems like around them. Meanwhile, the market they want to live in, that's not what's happening. Right. So sometimes you have to educate a little bit of what's happening, hype use your term, hyper local in the market that you're yeah. selling in or the market that they're interested in. So what what was another point that was brought up, Preston, in terms of waiting? Another when you get that objection, what's a, another thing that an agent could talk about? You know, especially right now, rates. Mm -hmm. You know, what the rates are. Um, and somebody in in the meeting today said something. I can't remember exactly what he said. He said, he said, marry the house, date the rate. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when you think of that too like if you're a buyer looking at that there's ways to reduce the rate when you purchase you know when the seller can can pay down the rate or that can be part of your purchase um you know those are things that speaking to somebody a local lender i would definitely you know speak to a local lender and, and mm -hmm. see what your options are there you know you didn't see it as much when rates were so low but you're going to start seeing more of those you know those arm where three five seven or whatever they are adjustable rate mortgage you know, or you could get the reduction in the rate at closing, you know, based on, you know, seller contributions or whatever. Um, so those are things to look at. Also, you know, the, the rates aren't going to continue to climb forever, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe the rate's a little high now in two, three years, then four years, whatever it is, then you could refinance at that time and hopefully refinance to a lower rate. Yeah, if you're waiting on rates, yeah, rates go down. You're not married to that interest yeah. rate, right? You could always get a better interest rate by refinancing. What if rates go up yeah. and you got a good deal at that point, right? But the the main point of it is if you, your client, yourself or your client find that property that they absolutely fall in love and is the perfect fit for their family. Why would you not move on it, right? We talked about rentals being sky high. So renting financially doesn't make sense. Missing out on it because of the interest rates doesn't make a ton of sense either because rates fluctuate all the time. So I thought it was just a lot of good dialogue around that objection um, that we'll probably continue to hear and see from now to the end of the year. Um, another one, Preston, that was brought up is around seller expectation around pricing, right? So which, what I mean by that is um, you go on a listing appointment, seller's mindset that this is still the market from six months ago. Let's look at what the last one sold for and add 10% or add 20%. And what agents are seeing is those houses are starting to sit on the market. So talk about that a little bit, Preston. We, we unpacked that in the meeting. Yeah, I mean, really, I think you gotta you gotta show them the data, right? Show them mm -hmm. the data. You can't argue with two plus two equals four. You know, I mean, if right. you show them the data on what's selling the neighborhood, comparable homes, and all that, and where they're at now, and also not only what's sold but what's active and what's sitting, and those prices. I mean, of course, you're going to have the people that still have pushback. And, oh, my kitchen is this much nicer, and 
everything else. But if they, you know, if they want you to list at a higher price, just make sure they commit to looking at it in two weeks and looking at, you know, if the house is sitting there with no showings and everything else, then there's got to be a conversation because the last thing you want to do is dive into a, a listing that's priced too high and somebody unwilling to reduce the price quickly because, you know, as the longer you wait, when it's priced too high, the less chance you're going to get. Yes. And then you, then you reduce it down the road. And then what happens a lot of times sellers, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they have a reason they have to sell within five months. You just make sure they understand that going into it. Mm -hmm. And if they do reduce it and all of a sudden they get even a lower offer, a lot of times they'll just jump on the offer and say, well, we got to accept it because there might not be another buyer, you know? So I think what ends up happening a lot of times they list too high and, you know, they end up getting much less than what they would have if they listed at the right price from the beginning. Yeah, I think a couple of important points you just made. Number one, it, price should never be your opinion, first of all, as the agent, right? It's always got to be based on data, right? So you got to bring that data and say, hey, based on this, where do you think we should price the home, right? Based on this data, right? And because you don't want it to be their opinion either, right? But I think the, the other important part that was talked about by a few of the agents in our session was... Um, and I always use the verbiage conflict only arises when expectations differ, right? So if you don't have that upfront, Hey, after two weeks, we can try that price, but after two weeks, can we agree that we've listened to the market and we're going to price it here? If you don't have that conversation right up front, day one of that seller agent relationship, if you don't have that conversation, what happens is, and you don't have, and I even recommend you put it in writing, you know, somehow in the listing agreement. What happens is after two weeks, who are they blaming that their price, their house didn't sell? The agent. They're blaming you, right? They're blaming the agent. They're not blaming the price, right? But if you have that agreement up front, like, hey, we can try that, but let's agree after two weeks we do this. Now you've already up front said, hey, if it doesn't sell, we're we're agreeing that's based on this price, and we're going to try this next. It's a we're ha we're going at this from a strategic standpoint, not just shooting from the hip when it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, so. you don't want to walk in there and throw a price in front of them and say, hey, this is what we should list for. I mean, you want to present the data. Yeah collectively work together to come up with a price, let them say the price. And then, you know, two weeks later or whatever it is, or three weeks, or if they agree to a price that both of you, you know, you could show that it's going to sell for, then most likely you'll get an offer and have a lot of showings. Yeah. And to your point too, if you're, if you're not going in there with data to show them, Hey, this is what's happened in your, your neighborhood, your market, their market is neighborhood they live in. You're not going in there with data, and getting them to select a where their house should be priced based on that data. And you're just throwing a price. Hey, this is what I think. They're just going to take the agent that throws the biggest price at them, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, be prepared. You know what I mean? What is the easiest way to overcome anxiety if you're going into a listing, you know, a listing appointment, you're a new agent, mm -hmm. you know, for anything? What's the easiest way to, you know, decrease anxiety is be prepared and know what you're talking about. You know, whether you're getting on stage or whatever you're doing, if you're properly prepared, it makes it a lot easier than when if you're getting on stage or going to a listing appointment and shooting off your hip and and not you know not showing up with the right information. Yeah, I think that that was something we talked about with our last episode with Brendan from Master Talk. He said you know that you can practice like the questions you would get. He said he would practice the questions he would get on a podcast. So he would did what over a hundred different questions. So anytime he gets a question, it's not the first time he's being asked. You can kind of do that based on what you do as an agent, whether yeah, it be like listing the, appointments or buyer appointments. Yeah, the question drill. So yeah. what, it, what he said was every day do the question drill and say it's 10 or 15 minutes, make it part of your day. Think about one year, you answered 365 questions mm -hmm. that are most likely going to come up. And I would guarantee 99.9% .9 of the people are not doing the question drill. Right. And as a realtor, you got to think 
99.9% of your job is answering questions. No? Yeah. <laughs> right. And a lot of times I bet you, and I, and I did this, uh, with, with agents I coached, I would have them write them when they make calls pressing, I would have them write down the objection or, re- or reason they got rejected on the phone, write it down every time it happens. And then next week when we did our call, we went over which, which one did you get the most? Right. So right now the waiting one is the one you're getting the most, right? that's the one we need to work on answering that question or, or overcoming that objection. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, I think the number one they probably get is just looking. I mean, if, yeah. if you, if you actually get somebody, whether it's a, a response to a call or a response to an email or a text, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's that just looking, it's just like, you know, what happens when you go to a car dealership, a car lot, somebody walks up to you to salesperson. What's the first thing you say? Well, I, it, the response is I, I could be looking for a car and know what car I want to get, but I'm still going to say just looking. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's that you put that I did this in the video, but I did that's you put that guard up because our natural response is, oh no, it's a salesperson. Yeah. And I don't want to like give away my money. And then your job as the salesperson is to bring that guard down, right? You gotta yeah. keep that the longer you keep that dialogue going with anybody in a situation like that, that guard comes down and then you can kind of figure out what it how it is you can help them. Um let's shift gears a little bit, Preston. Then we kind of talk to the agents about what's working for them. And I love that because you've been talking about something with me a lot. And the very first response we got, an agent raised their hand and said, video texts. And I thought that was like, I didn't know if you planted that person in the room. I gave her a couple of dollars. Okay. <laughs> I, I doubt that that's true. No, but it is not. Unpack that a little bit. Why, why do you think that agent raised their hand and said that? Why is that working for them in this market right now? Because it's what consumers want. You know, I mean, consumers, I mean, I, I, we're doing some some work on social media um, graphics and everything around video, but it's, you know, it's staggering. The numbers, 90%, you know, when people see a video, they they remember 90% more than they do via text, like, yeah. you know, written text or written email is like 10%. Mm-hmm. They, you know, remember that with a video, it's 90%. And, you know, what people struggle with, they're like, oh, the amount of time and everything else. And like I shared in that, in in the meeting, and and I struggled with this. I'm not as bad as I used to. I'm actually fine with it now, but I, I did like a lot of people. You know, when you the best way to send a video text is to shoot it once and send it. Yeah. If you mess up, who cares? Right. If you don't if you think you don't look weird or you sound weird, <laughs> that's how you sound and look in yeah. person. That's how you look and sound. So there's nothing changing in what you're shooting on that video from the way you really are. Right. And I think people you know, they want to see a face, you know, they mm-hmm. want to see somebody there. I mean, cause yes, you have a lot of these websites and, you know, Zillow and everything else. They're not sending video texts. No. Yeah. You know, their ISAs are calling and, and, and it, with, when an agent gets them, I mean, send that video text and say, Hey, you know, I'm actually a real person here and in Myrtle beach as an agent willing to answer any questions you have, you know, and send that video out. And it's, uh, I mean, the stats are all out there now. You've seen them, you know, with COVID and everything else video went, ballistic because of, of where we were, you know, with zoom and everything else. I mean, everybody got used to video a lot faster than mm-hmm. what would have happened without COVID. But I mean, that's really one of the most important things right now is, is making sure, because even with all those stats shared, like a lot of those stats are across marketing from a ton of different businesses, but still agents struggle with sending video. And I, I think it's one of those things too. Most won't do it. So especially if you're newer to the industry, this is a great way to differentiate yourself from the, the from the rest from the pack. Um, the other thing you said it too is just record it and send it. 
I've yeah. learned from doing video, the more I analyze it, the more I think about it, right? The, the worse more, you get. Yeah, the worse you get. That very first one I just made or shot when, when I wasn't thinking about it is almost nine times out of 10, the best of yeah. all of them. Once I start trying to redo it, then you just become frustrated because it just gets worse and worse. Oh, yeah. and worse Anxiety just increases that much more. And if you just get up there and rip it and send it out and be done. And, you know, think about it though. Like if we, we did that, okay, we're shooting videos. You don't want them to be five minutes, you know, shoot mm -hmm. a two minute, one minute, 30 second video. How many of those can we send in 30 minutes? A Pretty, lot. And the other thing with that, it's all one way, right? Yeah. So you're not going to be stuck on the phone with somebody potentially, right? It's, it's a one way communication. Let's say you're you're out of the showing with other clients and you got a lead come through through easy home search or or whatever other source that you use. You send that quick video message, let them know, hey, I'm going to try you again when I'm done with my client here. I'm going to try your phone around three o'clock so we can talk about that property you have questions with. Yeah, Boom, that's it. Done. Yeah, that's it. 30 seconds, you're right back to whatever you were and working A lot of times on. it's faster than the phone call. You yes. Know, even, even if they don't answer, right? You call, you leave a voicemail. Your voicemail most likely might be longer than what the video would have taken. You could have shot the video, sent it, be done, move on with your day. And, and if you hear this and that's terrifying, the best way to practice this, I'm going to give you a great, easy way to practice it. Start doing, with, with, doing it with your friends and family. Oh, yeah. Send them a video message for, for their birthday instead of that text message, right? Or send them a video message, let them know you're on the way home or whatever it is. When you normally text somebody that's important to you, send them a video instead, right? I think that's a great way to practice and just overcome that fear. Just get used to like talking on camera. Um, let's unpack the next thing that was working. Uh, I love that this is a pillar of business making a comeback is open houses. Um, an agent raised their hand and said, Hey, I've done three open houses in the last week. I believe she said. And I, I asked, well, how new many, agent. she's an agent excellence program. Yeah. Brand new agent in her agent excellence program. So she's trying to get her business up and running, right? She's trying to make as much contact as she can. Um, she said, yeah, I did three open houses in the last week. Next question I asked was, well, how many people on average came to each one of those open houses? She said 10. So I'm going to give you a stat, the listener, the stat is 50% of the people that came into the open house. So she's made contact with 30 people in the past week through open houses. 50% of those people are going to buy a house in the next 12 months. I love incredible. open houses. Yes. That's the first, the first property. I think I shared this in a previous episode or with mm -hmm. you before, but the first house I ever sold was an open house. Mm -hmm. It was the same situation she sat in, right? It was, I was with Caldwell Banker at the time, just got into real estate and it was an agent in the office had a listing and she's like, Oh, I got to do an open house. The sellers want me to, I don't like doing open house. I said, I'll sit there. And it was a rainy Saturday. It was just terrible. It was like November so it, or October. It was like, you know, it was just a bad, it was colder and rainy. Mm -hmm. And just, I'm like, nobody's going to come here. But I went and set up and had everything. One couple came in and they were actually in town that weekend. It was a younger couple with, with two kids and they were in town to look at property. And the agent that they had, the um, they were scheduled to show with would never call them back. So yeah. they got in town and called them Friday and never received a call. They just happened to be driving around the world. They didn't buy that house. But like two weeks later, I sold them, you know, at the time, this was 2004. I think it was like a $325,000 house in Litchfield, um, which was, you know, a higher price point at that time. And, uh, but that it was through an open house. Yeah. You know, so, so those things do happen. Um, and, you know, the, and as a new agent, there's no better way to 
especially now that you're having houses that are sitting on the market. Right. You know, it's it's a great way to get your name out there mm -hmm. to to meet new people, to speak to new people, you know, and to have that interaction and get used to talking to people. Because as an agent, you better be good at talking to people or you're not going to be successful. Yeah. And I'll give you some criteria too. What because again, coaching agents. I, I can remember an agent came in one time to a session with me, Preston, and said, you know, we're breaking down their business, like, you know, the pillars of business. And they were talking things they were frustrated with, things like that. And they said, well, open houses don't work. He gave me that. I said, okay, well, well tell me, how, how are you choosing your open house? And he goes, hey, I go on my my company, uh, like message group. If somebody, if an agent says, hey, I need someone for an open house, I just, I jump on it. And, I've, and they've done, they did like a, like 50 something open houses or something like that over the course of a year. And I was like, oh, okay, is that how you get every open house? I'm like, yeah. So we started looking back at some of the houses they sat in. There were houses typically that had been on the market for a while. When a house is on the market for a while, why is that normally? It's overpriced. It's overpriced, right? So you start sitting in homes like that. To me, that's a, kind of an unproductive open house, right? It's been on the market a while and it's overpriced. So the traffic you do get into that is somebody that's a very unintentional buyer. In my in my opinion, not all the time, but a lot of times it can be. If you look for new houses, houses have been on the market two weeks or less, typically they get the most attention on your sites like Easy Home Search, right? The Zillows, the Realtor.coms, right? Typically the newly listed homes get a ton of attention, right? Because every time you go to sites like that, they want to show you what's new on the market. So newly listed homes that are priced correctly, right? Not overpriced. Also, make sure the price point is where a lot of your buyers are, right? So a lot of agents love to jump on these million-dollar listings. And I'm talking to our market specifically. There's not a, a lot of million-dollar buyers. There's They're out there, but there's not a, a plethora of them. Preston, where are most of our buyers price point-wise in this market? I mean, the average our average sales price at Palms over the last 12 months is like 308. Right. 310. So let's say 300 to 500. Yep. If I was going to get on a boat, Preston and I, and we're going to go fishing, I want to go where most of the fish are, right? Yep. Most of the fish in our particular market are in that $300,000 to $500,000 price range. Think that way of it as an agent. Million-dollar houses are fun. They look nice. They're great to put on Instagram, but you're not going to get a ton of people all, all the time. Yeah, and I think it's smart to think about what's accessible, right? So yes. don't, don't sit in an open house on an oceanfront condo and expect to get a ton of traffic. Right, or you know super I mean? gated or, or community. Or super gated community yeah. hard to get into. Right. Um, so those are things to think about. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, right. you know, sit in a gated community or whatever, but if you're trying to get to see a lot of people, I would definitely be, like you said, don't take every open house, just like don't take every listing. I mean, if it's the house that's been in the market six months and they're not willing to reduce the price, then, you know, there's, but I would take those ones that are just listed if you're a newer agent yep. in the uh, in the office, I'll, I would jump on those. Yeah, so go through the inventory at your company. What's been newly listed in the last two weeks or less? Look at prices. What's priced well? What makes sense for my for me and my market in terms of where there's a lot of buyer activity happening? And Preston said the third one I would recommend is always location. Is it easy to is it accessible? Is it easy to get to? I can tell you talking to this agent after the meeting, one of the open houses she did was in an area where we live, it's called the Market Common. It's a very heavily trafficked area on the weekends, right? It's like a live, work, play community. This house was right off of that like Main Street location where people would see the open house sign, right? So it drew a lot of traffic because of the location. Um, and it's a very desirable area on top of that. 
Yeah. So she had a ton of success with that. So like, think about that. Be strategic about the open houses. Look at the inventory in your office and reach out to the agent proactively and say, Hey, can I host an open house at your new listing this weekend? That's the best way to do it. Um, another, uh, thing that was working that agents talked about, uh, was sphere of influence. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, talk about that a little bit, Preston. Why is that so important? That comes up pretty much every mastermind session I think I've ever done in my career for agents. That's come up probably every single time. But talk about that. Yeah. I mean, the other and past clients, which probably you could add them into past clients, but those are the easiest people to sell. Yes. You know what I mean, those are the easiest people. If you're new in the business, write down. Obviously, when I wrote it down, you actually had a Rolodex. <laughs> But, uh, you know, put them in your CRM. Your company will have a CRM, I hope. And if they don't, put them in an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. But put them in a place where, if, as a new agent, you know, if you come up with 100 names, great. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be, you know, past professors. It could be past managers. It could be past employers. Whatever it is, get as many names as you can with names, email address, phone number. If you get mailing address, great. But I mean, just go through that list and, and, you know, those, a lot of times they don't, you hear somebody that's in your sphere uses somebody else a lot of times because you didn't let them know, yeah. you know, you didn't ask, you didn't ask for the business. And that's one of the biggest things, whether it's a referral or whether it's, you know, a sphere, a lot of times people don't use you because you don't do a good job of asking for the business mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to ask for it. A majority of the people that I've met throughout my life. You know, when they see, so I love helping somebody new in the business. Like yeah. I love seeing new agents succeed. You know, that's a big, a big reason why we created the, um, the, um, agent excellence, program. agent excellence program. So anyway, that's, that's something that's very important to me. And, uh, you know, that's most people in your sphere would love to see you successful. Yeah. And talk about agent excellence program. Our next class starts October 3rd. So if you're listening to this and you have interest in being in that class or just have questions about it, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Um, the last thing we unpacked in that mastermind session, Preston, was follow-up, which I thought was interesting that an agent uh, raised their hand and threw it out there or something that's working for them. Um, talk about that. Like, What are some of the things you see both good and bad with follow-up and some of the things we talked about? I mean, the bad is always, they're just not doing it, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of a common theme um, is just scheduling the time. Like yeah. it's not, you know, it's not the sexy thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, a lot of the things we do that we get the most out of sucks to do, yeah. you know, but you can learn to love the follow-up, right? I mean, if you love talking to people and love mm -hmm. getting people on the phone and and don't always chase the new leads and the you know, the one that, you, I mean, go through your old ones, go through your sphere of influence, get, you know, so at least you'll get some wins, right? If you just call new leads, new leads, new leads, maybe you have a bad day and you don't speak to anybody or nobody has it. You don't have a good conversation. So mix in your past clients, you know, throw that in there. So at least you do have some conversations with some people that, you know, makes it e easier to get through. Um, but it's really just, you know, especially now, like I, I think the average I've seen thrown around is like, the average person takes 20 attempts before they speak to somebody. Right. I've but then think about that 85% of the people, like the first person they have a meaningful conversation with 85% of the people use that, use that person. So it's, it's, I mean, it works, but it's not something most people, what do they do when they do, you know, follow up, they try it for what, seven days, three days, four days. Oh, we'll this sucks. A couple of times, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It doesn't work. But you know what I tell new agents or, or agents in general, is when you do this and you say your first lead you get, you call them one time, 
what happens the majority of the time, they call them once or twice and that's it. Most right. people give up. I think that it's like 80% give up in three calls. Yeah. So set yourself a reminder and it's, you know, you heard it called seven days of pain. Like it's, it's so many calls or texts or emails, but what I like to go to is, you know, call, text, email three, three, do that once a day for seven days. Mm -hmm. It says 27 touches over seven days, but call, text, email every day for seven days. And if you really want to win, your text will be a video. Yeah. And then if you think about that, you said 20 to 21 contact attempts before they make contact, right? So if call, text, email for seven days, that's 21. It's 21. Right. So you should almost expect that contact within that realm. So, well, guys, we broke down our mastermind session. Uh, appreciate you guys joining us as always. Uh, if you like the episode, click that. If you'd like to subscribe, click that. And I think this is something we'll do every month from here on out to uh, kind of discuss, you know, go over what's going on in the market and, you know, just kind of talk about our monthly mastermind. Yes. Yes. Because it, content. And it changes all the time, like, especially in the market we're in now, something I've, I've recognized the last couple of years, Preston, it changes so quickly now, yep. just like what's, what everybody is focused on. It used to be like these 90 days, six month swings of like, okay, this is what's going on in the market. Now it's really is from month to month. The, the, the market has changed in some way, good and bad, good or bad. And everybody's kind of having to focus on a different thing that's working for them. Yeah. And it's easy content to put out there. You know, what do we put out there? What do we put out there? Well, let's talk about what's going on right now. And like you said, it's changing yeah. so quickly and fast and you know, what's happening in our market might be different in another market. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're listening to this and you want to hop on and kind of talk about what you're seeing in your market, you know, send us a, send us a message. We'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Guys have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. We'll, we'll talk to you soon.